Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome back to today's program. Today we're going to return to the book of Jude and we're going to dive deep into Jude verses 5 through 8. Reach for a piece of paper and a pencil because today you're really going to want to take a lot of notes and these verses are amazing. How unfortunate. The people just skip right over the book of Jude. They look at it and they think, well, it's not so many verses and it's stuck right before the book of Revelation. And they just kind of skip right over it as they go to the book of Revelation. But the epistle of Jude is really, really important. And remember, it was written by one of the half-brothers of Jesus who was very disturbed because he had just read the second epistle of Peter, chapter 2, where Peter vividly described the activity of false teachers and false prophets who covertly work inside the church and the damnation they bring with their teaching into the church. And when Jude read what Peter wrote, he was so moved that he decided to scrap his previous plans to write a letter about salvation. He tells us that in Jude verse 3. He was really excited to write about salvation. In fact, when you read it in the Greek text, he says he was ready to engage all of his creative abilities to dive deep into our mutually shared benefits of salvation. It was his elder brother, his half-brother Jesus, who died on the cross to purchase those benefits for us. And Jude, as the half-brother of Jesus, was really excited to write an epistle about all the benefits we have of being in Christ. But when he read Peter's epistle, he knew he needed to write a different letter instead. So he scrapped his plans. He felt an urgent need to address the issue of the apostate church and apostate ministers and believers that are becoming apostate. And that's the name of the series which we're offering you this week. And please order it. This is so in-depth. There is no way you can remember everything we're discussing in the programs this week. So go online or give us a call and order the Apostate Church, Apostate Ministers, Apostate Believers, how to recognize apostate leaders and churches and how to spiritually stay on fire for the Lord. And it comes with a wonderful study guide. And this week, we're also offering you my book, which is called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. But at the end of the program, my Nancy will tell you how you can get all of these amazing resources. But I also want to remind you that if you need prayer, we want to hear from you. Ring our phone right now or send us an email. And the moment we hear from you, we're going to really release our faith for Jesus to step into your life and release his power to do whatever it is that you need to be done. We will agree with you in faith, but we'll do a better job if we know how to pray. So call us or send us an email, but reach for your Bible. And today we're going to return to the epistle of Jude. And today we're going to begin in Jude verse five, and we're going to review a little bit of what we covered yesterday. And in Jude verse five, in the King James version, Jude says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them, the ones he saved, those that believed not. Now, the reason Jude writes this is because false teachers are perverting the doctrine of grace and they're saying, well, we're in Christ. We will never be subject to judgment. Even if we teach that which is wrong, we'll never be punished for it. And now Jude reminds them, 
that those who do wrong will suffer retribution. And so he says in verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance. Even though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them, the very ones he saved, because they believed not. But the RIV of Jude verse 5 would be like this. I counsel you to remember several things that I'm about to remind you of, even though all of this was once fully known to you in the past. First, you must never forget how the Lord, having delivered, preserved, and saved his people from their Egyptian enemies, protected, restored, and brought them back into wholeness at the time he brought them out of the land of Egypt. But after all that God had done for them, they perpetually did not trust him. And he was so put off by their unbelief that he eventually decided to distance himself from them and to finally bring an end to that unbelieving generation. After all God had done for them, they remained unconvinced, unpersuaded, and faithless. But then Jude adds another example, which we covered yesterday, and these were the angels who rebelled against God and left their assigned posts. Listen to what he says in the King James Version, Jude, verse 6. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. This verse is so important, we're going to cover it again. The word angels is the Greek word angeloi, which is the plural version of the word angelos, and it describes supernatural angels. And now Jude writes about angels who either rebelled with Lucifer against God or the angels who left their first estate and entered into the earth's atmosphere where they had sexual relationships with women that produced giants in the earth. And you can read about all of that in Genesis chapter 6. And of course, it was very strange for angels to go after human flesh. The Bible here calls it strange flesh. This was not natural for angels. But it says they kept not their first estate. Kept not is a form of the Greek word tereo, which normally would depict soldiers who were positioned to protect something important. Normally it depicted soldiers who were charged and expected to be faithful to the charge given to them and to stand guard over what had been entrusted to them. But here, this phrase depicts a group of angels who were given an assignment by God but failed to keep the trust that God gave to them. And Jude adds the word but, which in Greek is the word Allah. Here it is used like a conjunction intending to jart and Joel, the listener, amazingly, can you believe it? They left their own habitation. The word left is a form of the Greek word apo, lepo. The word apo carries the idea of distance. The word lepo means to abandon, to walk away from, to desert, or to vacate. When you put the two words together, it forms the word apo, lepo. Here in the King James Version, it's translated as the word left, but it literally means to abandon. They abandoned their positions. They deserted, forsook walked away from, they left it, they totally forsook or vacated the post that they were entrusted to stand guard over. That is amazing. And it goes on to say, they abandoned their own habitation. The Greek literally says, they're assigned dominions and places of principality. And Jude goes on to say, he hath reserved them in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of 
the great day. The word reserved, again, is a form of the Greek word tereo, the very word which was used to describe the uninterrupted vigilance of soldiers who were assigned to watch over something very important. But here, Jude uses this word reserved, the Greek word tereo, to portray Christ as one who attentively stands on guard over this class of rebellious angels. Though the angels failed to keep their post, Christ has not abandoned his. Christ's watchful guarding of them is so serious that this particular category of fallen angels will never escape their place of detention. And the verse goes on to say he's reserved them in everlasting chains. The word everlasting describes something that's eternal, something that is everlasting. Thus, the sin of these angels was so grievous that God has placed them in everlasting chains and everlasting detention. And this category of sinning angels are to this very moment constrained in what the Bible calls chains. And the word chains in the King James Version is the Greek word desmos. Listen to this. It depicts the heavy physical chains of iron that were used to hold captives as they languished in prison. It could describe any impediment which enabled, which disabled one from being able to move. Well, just imagine, angels are creatures of movement, but now they're constrained in these heavy chains as they languish in a spiritual prison, unable to move. And here we find that God personally chained this category of sinning angels and it depicts the unbreakable chains or bonds that God has put them in. God has incarcerated them. It is a permanent, irreversible decision. They are eternally restricted. Their movement is completely bound. And then he adds under darkness. And the word under is the Greek word hoopo, which means under, to be under something, like to be under a fog, under smoke, under some kind of a dense covering. And now these angels, which were created to be creatures of light and originally lived in the light of God's glory, they're under a blanket of darkness. And the word darkness is a form of the Greek word zophos. And here, this word zophos describes dense blackness, unceasing, never-ending darkness or a place mute of all light, completely mute of light. This would be the ultimate judgment for an angel which was created to live in the light of God's glory and angels which were creatures of light. But now we find this horrendous judgment has been pronounced even upon angels who did wrong. And now they are incarcerated in heavy chains eternally under a blanket of bleak darkness, a place mute of all light unto the judgment of the great day. The word unto is the Greek word ice. And here the word ice translated unto carries the idea of progression what God has initiated with this category of sinning angels, he will continue to an ultimate conclusion of judgment at the great day. And my friend, the word judgment in Greek is the word crisis. And it's where we get the word for a crisis. This will be a real crisis for this category of sinning angels. But the word judgment, the Greek word crisis, describes the decision made by a legal court 
a court decree, a legal procedure at the court, a verdict delivered that results in a judgment, and it portrays a time in the future when the court of heaven will render a final judicial judgment on this category of rebellious angels. And it's going to occur, according to verse 6, on the great day, which in Greek would literally be translated the big day, the big day. And here Jude is referring to the coming day that's been foretold since the beginning of time. And at the end of the age, the big day will finally arrive. And those who have lived contrary to God will not circumvent judgment. All of that is just in verse 6. And if the RIV of verse 6 is like this. Here's another example of something you should remember. I'm talking about the angels that did not stay at the post God had assigned to them. Instead of staying in their God-appointed posts, they abandoned their own dwelling places and high-ranking dominions that had been assigned to them. But God has not abandoned His post, and He's standing guard over those rebellious angels. And has eternally put them in chains under bleak darkness under the big day of judgment in the future. But then he goes on to verse 7 where he gives us another example of judgment. And the King James Version tells us in Jude, verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah. Now you have to remember that, Pete, that Jude had just read the second epistle of Peter, and in chapter 2, Peter gave these same examples. He gave the example of the angels that sinned. Then he gave the example of Sodom and Gomorrah, and now Jude is building on what he read. So I would advise you to go to 2 Peter chapter 2 and read what is written there. Now Jude is building on top of what Peter had said. Now in Jude verse 7, he says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, of course, Sodom and Gomorrah were two of five cities which were destroyed by the judgment of God. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19. And here, Jude now refers to that event. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, now listen to this, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now I have to tell you, there is so much in this verse. We need to really unpack it. And notice the King James Version says, in like manner. The Greek literally says, in a similar way, in like fashion, or in a similar turn of events. Well, what is he referring to? The angels went after women. That was really strange. We would say that is strange, that angelic creatures would go after flesh. And now he says, in like manner, in a similar way, in a similar turn of events, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were giving themselves over to fornication. But we have to look at that phrase, giving themselves over to fornication, because the Greek word is really important. It is the Greek word ek porneo. The word ek here is used as an intensifier. It means to really be after, to really be after something. The word porneo depicts unsanctioned sex outside the confines of marriage. And here, when it is compound, it refers to the perverted sexual activities that were known in Sodom and Gomorrah and pictures those who are literally going after it, going after it. One scholar says it pictures those who glut themselves on forbidden sexual activities and who go a-whoring after illicit sexual activities. They were literally pursuing it. 
going after it, glutting themselves on it. And the King James Version says that they were going after. Now, what's really interesting is the word going, the Greek word aperkomai, which means to depart from one thing to go to another, which means the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding the cities departed from what was natural to pursue strange flesh. But whereas the word going normally indicates forward movement, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities were actually in moral retreat, which leads us to the word after, going after. Strangely, here it's translated as the word after, but it's a Greek word, episo, which means back or backwards. It describes backward movement. It means to be behind, back, or to move backwards, even though the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, with all of their sexual perversion, may have alluded they were progressive and were morally moving forward, the use of this word episo means that morally they were in retreat. They were morally moving backward into a cesspool of moral depravity. Isn't it interesting that today people claim their progressive thinking is leading them forward, but in fact they are morally retreating. And the Bible says they were going after strange flesh. The Greek word says sarkos heteros. The word sarkos is the word for flesh. The word heteros means of a different kind, flesh of a different kind. The word sarkos means flesh like human flesh. The word heteros means of a completely different kind. But Jude uses the combination of these two words to inform us that rather than seek natural sexual relationships with members of the same sex, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities went after now we understand the Greek really means they were morally retreating into a different kind of sexual encounters which were foreign and contrary to God's original plan. And then Jude adds, and are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. The word set forth, the Greek word pro kami. The word pro means in front of us, in front of us. The word kami means to place. They've been designated. They've been appointed. That event has been set before us officially as an example. And the word example, the Greek word degma, which means a pattern. And here we have the clear pattern, the vivid example of what happens to those who disobey God. A clear pattern suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. The word suffering, a form of the Greek word hoop echo. Listen to what it means. A word that means to be forcibly subjected to, to be forcibly held under, to undergo. It depicts one that is held accountable and is punished, though he does not want it. Nonetheless, he's going to be held under judgment. This says, undergoing the vengeance of eternal fire. Eternal fire in Greek is the word puras and the word ionas. The word puras depicts fire with its flames swirling, whirling, flickering, twisting, turning, arching upward toward the sky as it devours. The second part of the word, eternal, from the Greek word ionos, which describes something that is eternal or everlasting, compounded, it depicts a consuming fire that will engulf forever. Wow. And here is the RIV of Jude, verse 7. Listen to this. But wait. 
Here's another example you need to remember. I'm talking about what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah. For what happened to those cities and the surrounding cities all around them is similar to what happened to the angels that deserted the pre-designed post that God planned for them. In like manner, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah left what was natural and gave themselves over to fornication and to follow after feelings, instincts, mannerisms, and urges that were not natural, deviant mutations that resulted in departing from natural behaviors, and they morally reverted backward as they strangely engaged with those of the same sex. What happened to the people of those cities are placed before us as a clear pattern of what is coming in the future when the mallet in God's court of law will be dropped and an irreversible verdict will be issued that results in the guilty being subjected to a fire that eternally engulfs them. Wow, that is the RIV of Jude verse 7. But we're not finished yet because when we come to verse 8, now Jude is going to bring all this to bear about what is going to happen to those that are apostate in their faith, those that are apostate in their ministries, those who twist the grace of God into something that it is not. And that's where we're going to begin when we come back to verse 8 tomorrow. But please remember to order the series, The Apostate Church and my book, how to keep your head on straight in a world gone crazy. And in just a moment, my announcer will tell you how you can order these wonderful teaching materials. And I'll be back in just a moment. And I want to pray for you. In Rick Brenner's new series, The Apostate Church, Apostate Ministers and Apostate Believers, hidden truths are unpacked from the book of Jude that tell us many will become apostate at the end of the age as they veer from the truth. The Bible explicitly says this will occur, so we need to know how to never be counted among those who become apostate. In this brand new series, Rick clearly shows that God graciously gives divine warnings to those who err, examples of divine judgment, and His pronouncement of judgment upon wandering stars. Rick also answers the questions, what is a wandering star? And what is God's verdict upon the rebellious and upon the apostate church? This five-part series is available in digital or physical format starting at just $10. And today we're also offering you Rick's book, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy for $20. Rick says, I urge you to get this book because it is so needed for the days we are living in right now. In this book, you'll discover what you need to be doing to stay anchored to truth, how to discern right and wrong teaching, and how to be spiritually prepared for living victoriously in these last days. Rick will take you deep into New Testament prophecies about the end of the age and what you need to do to sail successfully through turbulent end-time waters. Order the series, The Apostate Church, Apostate Ministers and Apostate Believers, and the book, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Friends, this is Rick Renner, and I'm standing inside what's going to be the new studio in our TV studio in Moscow. You have given to make this happen. And right now, as you know, prices in Russia are just skyrocketing because of what's taking place in our part of the world. I want to say thank you to every one of you that have done something sacrificial to help us buy all the materials we need to finish the interior. We need to wrap this up as fast as we can. 
Proverbs 10:21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many. And I want you to understand that from this spot, we're going to feed people all over the world the Word of God. It's not about a building. We're not interested in buildings. This is an anchor that is pivotal for the proclamation and the distribution of the Word of God to this entire part of the world, and it is so, so needed. And by being a partner with us and being a part of our giving team to wrap this up, every time the signal goes with the Word of God into people's private spaces all over this part of the world, God is going to credit you with part of the reward for what's going to happen because it's your seed. It's your offerings, it's your sacrifices that are helping us to do this. And when people's lives are transformed, it will be credited to your account. And I want to say thank you for everything that you've already done. Thank you for helping us wrap up phase two of this very important project so we can begin to film programs right here and get the teaching of the Bible to people that are famished for it. And I want to say thank you in advance for being a part of our giving team. We covered so much material today that my head is almost spinning. I know you cannot remember everything we've looked at in the book of Jude today. So I want you to order the whole series, which is called The Apostate Church. Friends, we need to know what the Bible says about the end of the age. The subtitle says apostate ministers and apostate believers, how to recognize apostate leaders and churches and how to stay spiritually on fire for the Lord. I want you to get this. This is a great series for you to share with your pastor or with anybody who's hungry to really know what the Bible says about these last days. And it comes with a study guide. Everything in the series is in the study guide so that you can read it while you see it or while you hear it. You can order this right now by going online or by simply giving us a call. And right now we're also offering you my book. Oh, how I want you to get this book called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy, Developing Discernment for These Last Days. This book is a treasure. It's recommended by more than 40 major Christian leaders who in their endorsement said, please get this book and read it as fast as you can. We need to understand what is right, what is wrong when it comes to doctrine, what is right thinking, what is wrong thinking. We need to know how to keep our head on straight because it seems like the world has gone crazy all around us. And I wrote this book for you. So please order yours right now by going online or by giving us a call. And my friends, if you're not already a partner with our ministry, would you please become a partner? We need you because our task is to take the word of God to people that are famished for it. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, 21, the lips of the righteous feed many. I know that's my assignment. And with the help of those who regularly give to our ministry, we're taking the water of God's word to people that are crying out for it all over the planet. And you can be a part of that. And the moment you go online or give us a call to become a partner, we're going to send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone and Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness because we always send these two books to anyone who becomes a partner with our ministry. And I say welcome to the partner family. And when you reach out to us, let us know how to pray for you. And I want to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for the amazing Bible. And Lord, we're believing for a revival of the Bible 
in the body of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that where the word of a king is, there really is power. And we pray that your word will release its power in our lives today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you have to remember Ecclesiastes 8.4. It's how I end every program. Where the word of a king is, there's power. Let God's word work in your life today. And I'll see you in the next program.